Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The final season of Star Trek Picard is on its way, and we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everyone. Mike Bloom hailing you on our Post Show Recaps communicator to officially welcome in coverage of the third and last season of Star Trek Picard. When we heard this was happening, and especially when we heard this was going to be a grand reunion between the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, of course, we had to make it so, and we are actively engaging with it right here, right now, with a preview of what's to come. We've got all the data and lore on what to expect from this final season, and we're going to get into the positronics of it all, but of course, I am not alone. Every good crew uh, needs someone at the helm guiding us through this unnavigated space that is the Star Trek universe, especially nowadays. Couldn't be doing any of these Star Trek podcasts without the great Jessica Lees. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. I've got my phaser set to fun. <laughs> there we go. Um, I would imagine if that was an actual setting, would it just make the people they shoot dance uncontrollably or tell jokes incessantly? I'm picturing I'm picturing Q with the mariachi band for some mm. reason. Yeah, that does seem like some sort of chaotic good. The idea of setting a phaser to fun, of just probably causing you know terrible circumstances in someone's life if you don't stop it. But it is relatively harmless compared to even the stun setting on the phaser. I mean, in fairness, I did steal that joke outright from um, from a little thing in Vegas that used to exist called Star Trek The Experience. Mm. And this was part of the opening spiel for one of the experiences you could go through. And the day that I went, it was close to, it was like maybe a year or two from when they shut it down. But the people working there gave zero Fs and they were just there to amuse each other, which was oh. maybe the best way to experience this because they could not hold character. Like they kept breaking and it was, it just got progressively funnier the entire time I was there. 
better that than for them to be the exact opposite approach and just be so dispassionate mm -hmm. about Gender their cruise. work. Yeah, be easier for them to just try to make each other break and then have the audience break in that way. What was the experience? Do you remember that that does pertain to? Well, there's two different ones, and this was in the original series-based experience. Mm. And there's it was like one of those little motion rides with the screen, and you'd go on, a, it'd tell you a little story and like the seats would move a little bit while you were, you know, like 4D experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember much about the plot of the original series one, probably because it got lost in all of the breaking character. But there was also a next generation themed experience where you were a descendant of Captain Picard. Oh, and you were fighting the Borg and it was like, we have come back in time. You were, you are, you know, you're an ancestor of Picard. That's right. You come back. We've come back in time to save Picard's ancestor from being assimilated by the Borg. And the seats had this thing that felt like Borg things were coming into you. Ooh, it was that's so fun. cool. I it mean, was so cool. Just, you kind of brought together a couple different plot lines from Star Trek Picard exactly. season two. So maybe we discovered how that ended up being written so many years later. I mean, it would not be, that was not even the first time they went back to the well of going back in time to save people from the Borg. So it's a common thread. It's like, that's the only way you can fight the Borg ultimately, is if you just go back in time and stop them from existing. Well, we're going forward in time here to talk about a show that is premiering next week, February 16th. Star Trek Picard reaches its conclusion. The Adventures of Jean-Luc Picard once more into the breach around the bend. And I know that coverage of Star Trek has been a, a little on and off. Season one, we did cover episodically. Season two, due to, you know, circumstances outside of our control, we did more so check-ins at the beginning, middle, and end. Honestly, I think given all of our opinions on season two is perhaps for the best set of, <laughs> we did not investigate it episodically. But I am happy to say we will be in your lives every week to get you through the winter like a nice cup of hot Earl Grey tea. We're back to going weekly every Thursday. Jess and I will watch the episode of Star Trek Picard, which releases on Paramount+. Plus. We'll then talk about it, and then we'll get into it all the next week. So really excited to be getting back on the full weekly schedule. Make sure you're subscribed to our Star Trek only feed by going to poshorecaps.com slash Star Trek now that we are populating the feed with 10 new episodes that should be a real hoot just let me take your temperature right now it's been a while since we've been away from star trek picard and as i just mentioned i would say that our reception to season two was not the warmest but obviously there's a lot to be excited about for season three as we're about to get into how are you feeling overall now that we're a week away from the premiere well, Mike, I'm feeling a little kinder towards season two. I have a rosy glow about the whole thing. And I know in the middle of it, we were frustrated. We didn't love every decision they made. But the overall plot of it and the conclusion and where we left off, I think leaves us in a good spot to do some really interesting things this third season. And I honestly, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording it's very likely that you're not going to need to be, you know, chapter and verse on the first two seasons of Picard to enjoy the third season with this many characters coming back from the old, from the old next generation. Well, I think it's really going to be treated much more as an extension to next gen than an extension to Picard the series, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that is the big thing to bring into this is oftentimes with these preview podcasts, we try to divide it between, okay, let's remind people where we are right now in the show and then let's set up where we're going. But ironically enough, for a show that's all about the future, the past seems to be the thing that we may need to ignore right now. It's not like they changed showrunners. Uh, Terry Metalis, who did 12 Monkeys, is still working on season three after taking over from Michael Chabon in season one. But it does seem, by and large, we are just moving on from season two. I mean, to be fair, this, the vast majority of season two did take place in the past, and they moved on from that. So it's not like there was a lot of unfinished business there. But what should be noted is it's not a complete wiping of the slate clean. We'll talk about a couple of holdovers, but as season two finished, information began to come out about how many of these cast members from Picard's first two seasons were not returning. 
We are not going to be seeing a Rios. We're not going to be seeing a Girati. We're not going to be seeing an Elnor appear in the final season. So it seems like, at least from, from an optics perspective, in my opinion, okay, we, we kind of had our moments with Picard in the past couple seasons. You know, him sort of coming to his own realizations last season in particular was about him sort of, you know, re-engaging with his past and the trauma he faced, particularly with his mother. Now we are perhaps incorporating that into the character and moving forward. There certainly will probably be mentions of some stuff. Let's remember that Picard is an android. That's how season one ended, if you remember. But I do think, by and large, the focus is going to be on what's going on in the moment and less so about the things that they have done in the past 20 episodes of Star Trek Picard. Right. It's not going to be... Ironically, it's not going to go deep into the lore, but mm -hmm. we are going to get some lore, apparently. Yeah. Because, you know, we've already killed off Data twice. He's not coming back, but we need Spiner. So yes. if you look at this cast list, uh, there's the easiest way to bring back Spiner without having to resurrect Data a third time is apparently we're going to get some lore action. I'm very curious as to how that's going to work out and what's going to happen there. Yeah, so we'll definitely put a pin in that. So the news about this being a big Next Generation reunion has been very, you know, longly announced. Uh, basically, towards the end of Season 2, there were photos that were released because some of Season 3 filmed right after Season 2 finished just because it was the middle pandemic. And they're like, okay, let's, while we have everyone safe and, you know, having a clean bill of health, let's try to get some stuff in the can here. And I remember there being released photos of, like, Picard and Riker, you know, fighting alongside each other. And then it officially came out via this fantastic announcement that, yes, indeed, the majority of the crew of the Enterprise-D would be reunited, working together for one last ride in Star Trek Picard Season 3. How do you feel about that, Jess? Because I do think nowadays with this idea of sequels, reboots, there certainly is a contingency of our fan base brains that does say, okay, is this just glorified fan service? How much of that is overwritten by the fact that, yes, it's fan service, but it's the freaking Next Generation cast? It's so hard, Mike, because the, you know inside of you are two wolves. <laughs> and the one wolf loves all things Next Generation, loves these characters, loves the idea of bringing them all back together. And then the other wolf is fatigued by the constant onslaught of reboots and re- and, and sequels and relaunches of things that from our childhoods, it's like nobody is allowed to have any new ideas anymore. And the one thing, like especially season one of Picard and to a lesser extent season two, it felt like it was a continuation of that character that felt very true to what might actually happen to him in real time. He would not be just hanging out with the same people all the time. He would have made new friends. He would have had adventures that we didn't get to hear about. And we got the introduction of some really interesting characters. I'm happy that Rafi is coming back. So we at least have that through line. We are going to tie these together, but it is hard at the same time to feel like we're not just throwing out everything about Picard and just putting him back on, you know, with his enterprise buddies. And I hope that they are sensitive to the fact that we've gotten all of this Picard sans enterprise action. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how much this compares to a version that kind of existed in the Next Generation finale, right? In mm -hmm. All Good Things, we have the Picard of past, present, and future, and the Picard of the future was very much in this time period that you're talking about, right? Oh, he's in the vineyard, and everyone's off doing their own separate things. He was married to, you know, Crusher for a while. Uh, you know, Riker is in the sky doing his own, you know, captaining, finally. And I'll be intrigued to see how much that sort of echoes that, which at the end of that episode, Picard explicitly says, oh yeah, this was this one big trick by Q, and so therefore that possible future was erased. Even though we'll talk about possibly some holdovers from that and some of these other characters that will be introduced in this season, I'm going to be intrigued to see how much it will evoke that idea of everyone's kind of scattered to the winds and they're going to get together and do one last thing. And if and when they do... It'll feel familiar, that's for sure. That's what it's trying to evoke. And I guess the question we're going to explore in the next 10 weeks is, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? 
is this the warm fuzzy feels of nostalgia or is this the coldness of a corporate reboot in an attempt to get eyes on a project i'm not sure i think the fact that it's a final season certainly helps the former rather than the latter it's not like they're banking on more seasons of this afterwards they just decided okay if we're gonna write a star trek picard story and this is the final go around for this guy let's do what fans have honestly probably hoped would happen since the series was announced which is get next generation cast members on board but you never know i i have faith in especially the performers who have so much appreciation and love and knowledge of these characters that i would hope they would only sign on to a project that does help, you know, recontextualize as well as dimensionalize these characters that they have played for seven plus years. Yeah, and I think we we even said, I remember, I distinctly remember us watching the episode in season one where Picard goes and visits Riker and Troy. Yes, Nepenthe. Their, yes, on their Alaska planet and, they, and Riker <gasps> serves them not remotely enough pizza for that yes. group. Yes, the brick oven pizza dad, Riker. Yes, with the bunny corn sausage. Um, and I think we said at the time, we'd like more of this. We'd like to see where everybody is at and what they've been up to. And we weren't necessarily opposed to that in general. I think I, I'm just a little worried we overcorrected in the other direction. Well, let's get into the known entities that will be appearing on Star Trek Picard at the final season. Of course, Patrick Stewart, titular Jean-Luc Picard. I, I want to use this as an opportunity also just to like throw out some bold predictions. Will Picard die at the end of this series? Or do you think we've already been there, kind of did that at the end of season one? We did that at the end of season one. We, there's only, we've learned in Star Trek, there are only so many times you can kill a character before mm -hmm. you gotta make them dead and i think the show is called picard i don't think we i don't think we close the book on picard entirely just because we are closing the series out i think it would be really disappointing to go through all of that trouble to kill him and bring him back only to kill him again it's like he's not kenny <laughs> oh my god you killed john luke if only yeah, like you said, uh, characters are able to die and come back. And Picard is an android, but I do think it may be a bit of a cop-out. Even if it feels like a natural closure of like, well, the show is called Picard. It should end when Picard the person ends. I think maybe if Terry had been the showrunner for all three seasons, he wouldn't have killed Picard at the end of season one. But here it would feel distinctly different. Plus, he just found a new, a new boo, right? I know that Laris is going to appear in at least one episode and a lot of season two is focused around like his own complicated feelings around her that he finally chose to embrace at the end of the season there. I mean, I want Picard to be happy and in love, but you know, that the Laris thing was maybe my biggest quibble with season two as a whole. Or trouble. Um, yes. And trouble with quibbles. The question is, one of the many returning cast members from TNG mm -hmm. is Gates McFadden as Beverly Crusher. And I mentioned in that alternate timeline, at one point, they were married. Certainly towards the tail end of TNG, there was a lot of stuff about the sort of candles that were held for each other. Uh, though from Beverly's perspective, there was a very <laughs> different candle story <laughs> that was involved. It's interesting because what we'll talk about her next, because we know a lot about her involvement, at least in the beginning here, seems like Beverly Crusher, when we catch up with her in Star Trek Picard season three, is sort of working for a galactic version of a Doctors Without Borders that essentially she's like operating in this free agency alongside uh, one of the new cast members here, uh, a character who is unnamed at this point, played by Ed Spielers, who you might know from Aragon. I believe he played like the titular character there. He's from Outlander. He was in Downton Abbey for a bit. And so... They're traveling around the galaxy, essentially trying to enlist medical aid to worlds that Starfleet has essentially forgotten about. And she is going to run into something that I think is then going to send up the flag for Picard and crew to help. What was your reaction to Beverly? Because I feel like out of all the like the main cast members of TNG, you know, whether they appeared on screen or in voice roles, or someone like LeVar Burton is directing episodes of DS9 as an example, it does feel like Gates McFadden is one of the original cast members that has stayed the most away 
from the Star Trek industrial complex since TNG ended. What's your reaction to seeing her back? I'm, I'm, well, I'm thrilled to see her back. I don't think you can do this without her. I think it's kind of criminal that we have done this without her for two entire seasons. Like they barely mentioned that she existed. I mean, have they actually mentioned that she existed at all in the first two seasons? And because the Picard Crusher dynamic was such a huge part of, especially that last season of TNG, it was weird not to have her. And I know, like, I don't think Gates McFadden is distancing herself from Star Trek at large. Like she definitely makes appearances on the con circuit and she's around. So it seemed like it wasn't like she was telling them all to F off every time they asked her to come back. It just, it felt like they had, it was, it felt like an oversight. And so I think we need her back. I think we need to address some of these unresolved issues, whether or not they canonically got married. I need to know if they ever did get together. I would love to see a love triangle. If we're going to have the whole Laris of it all, what happens if the person he really wanted to be with when we left off with him in TNG, what happens if she comes back? What happens like they've had rich lives for 20 years. They have reunited. Is it going to feel so good, Mike? Oh man, I would feel terrible for Laris. This poor woman lost her husband and then is shacking up with her boss who like was giving her the old tease around, finally got together and now he's like, oh, my old workmate came by <laughs> and now I'm bunking with her. So sorry. And by the way, you're fired. Yeah, you know what? Jean-Luc is bad enough at romance that I could see him doing this. And I think Laris will be fine. Her life is fine. He's a pretty good rebound fling. I could see her like going out and finding someone new after this. She deserves better, frankly. Like, well, especially the amount of time he left her on the hook. Mm -hmm. She should go out and get somebody better. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, let's talk about a romance that is less rocky than that of Crusher and Picard, the OTP of TNG. Let's talk about Troy and Riker. As you mentioned, not their first appearance on Star Trek Picard, though they were sort of, you know, 
living the nice, quiet, rural life beforehand uh, does cause Riker at least to swoop in one of the, the many ships that comes in to save the day at the end of season one. Uh, we also know through like the lower deck side of things, we got some glimpse into the Titan stuff there. What is really interesting is that apparently, according to you know the showrunner, the vast majority of Picard, the ship is not going to be the Enterprise F. It is going to be the Titan. Uh, though I believe at this point, as we mentioned, Riker is not the actual captain of the Titan. That is, a, that is a new character who we're going to get to know. But the fact of the matter is, like, you know, the show itself went through all these releases to reveal the names of several crew members of the Titan proper. So I imagine we're going to be spending a lot of time on there. And considering that is one of Riker's old haunts, it's going to make a lot of sense that not only would he be alongside Picard as his number one, but he would certainly take charge of some of these things, considering he's used to this particular console. You know what I would really love to see? We really need Jack Quaid to show up as, like, transporter duplicate William Boimler yes. as one of the crew members on the Titan with the purple hair and everything. Oh, uh, I mean, we are getting that to a certain extent. They're doing the Lower Deck Strange New Worlds crossover, I think maybe even later this year, but man... I need it because, like you said, there is now canonical stuff that has happened on the Titan, including the evil transporter clone of Bradward Boimler. Yeah, this this needs to happen. I'm going to be disappointed if it doesn't. Um, I think it would be it would be too fan servicey to have this be the Enterprise F. This makes more sense, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it's an opportunity to introduce new characters. It's a new enough ship will also i think still evoking those old times there is now this new conflict right in that like there is an acting captain that is apparently on the titan too so that's gonna be a fun little <laughs> shocking for power very much old guard versus new guard yes yes for sure there's gonna be it's it's and i think that makes more sense honestly like in the star trek universe when we bring people back after a few years and this started with the movies it was like oh yeah i st i have my own ship now i'm the captain and it, everybody, especially in the original series, they all moved up and became captains of their own. And then they would get together and like have to be a crew again. And it's like they're all used to being in charge. Yeah. And it certainly makes sense that they would wind up on a ship where there were actually somebody else entirely was running this ship. And now you have to deal with, you know, a retired admiral and however high Riker ended up getting, um, I think, did he get past captain? Has he ever been promoted beyond that? Do we know? I don't believe so, because when I watched the trailer, uh, one particular character that we'll get into says, you know, Admiral on the bridge and captain. So I think Riker <laughs> is still, the role of captain just went out on top from Riker's perspective. Because remember, this man never wanted to be promoted past first officer in TNG. So this really is his version of going out on top. Yep, yep. That's his, you know, he, he shot for the moon and landed among the stars. Another thing to mention, though, a carryover from season one, I mean, Riker and Troy have a whole ass child. Is she yes. come, is she coming with them on the Titan? Did they leave her behind in the care of some people on Nepenthe? She probably went to boarding school in Switzerland like they do on soap operas. Yeah, or sent them into, uh, it's in the care of Alex Roshenko is taking care of her. He's aware of what happens <laughs> to children on these shows. Yeah, you know, honestly, it doesn't ring true for the characters that they would leave her behind especially with all the loss they felt like they they lost another child entirely yeah. and it kind of caused them to be this very insular unit like, what in what universe do they not bring her with them i don't know we shall see i mean it's also a tough thing because a child actress was cast if that actress is considerably older they might recast or pull a bobby draper but that's definitely one plot point that's left hanging out as a result of their one appearance in star trek picard but very welcome to see them back, especially they are really leaning into in the marketing footage, like the Picard-Riker dynamic of it all, which really is fantastic. So I'm excited to have them cracking wise again. We mentioned Alexander. Let's talk about his father here, as it's been a long time since we have seen Michael Dorn don the prosthetics and become Worf. And indeed, Worf is back here. You mentioned, you know, everyone having their captaincy. I do believe a novel that came out around the time of Picard season one said that Worf was the captain of the Enterprise F. It seems like wherever he is, he's willing to take up the batleth once more in defense of his once captain. I'm surprised he ever made captain because I thought it was pretty clear. There's an episode of Deep Space Nine where they told Worf, you are never getting promoted beyond lieutenant commander ever 
because you can't listen to anybody. Yeah, maybe it was like everyone else just died above him. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm the captain now. Didn't think I'd be here, but sure. Why not? I mean, listen, we learned from many times in Star Trek that the most adept people are not the ones that are put in the highest positions on these ships. Yeah, it's true. And he could be an acting captain or he could have really done something near the end of the Dominion War that really outshone the actual the actual war crime he committed. Yeah, that's interesting as well. I know that the showrunner had mentioned that they're going to deal a bit with Worf kind of still recovering from the events of the Dominion War, which I'm intrigued by because, again, that was something he experienced separate from this crew, Mm -hmm. something that we experienced alongside him. So I am grateful they're bringing in that part of his character. Yeah, and they really need to bring in, they need to interweave more of this expanded universe. Like having Seven of Nine as a main character on the show has been amazing. And it's tied together a lot of the Voyager and TNG lore, but we really aren't talking about Deep Space Nine enough, like on this show and in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it was a big deal when you had Miles O'Brien and Worf go from TNG to DS9 and it, I think a lot of people followed them over there and it ended up being the best series that they've ever put out. So why are we not talking about this? We need more we need more Deep Space Nine content. I would love to see. I, I know we're not getting it. I would love to see some Deep Space Nine cameos. Mm. Um, I would love to hear Worf talk about what any of those people are up to. Like, couldn't they get Cole Meany for one episode? Yeah, like imagine he's uh, radioing being like, I don't know how to fix this console. And, you know, yeah. O'Brien's being the, the kid walking the parent through on FaceTime, how to, how to set up the settings on his television. Right. Like have him, you know, have him FaceTime in, do the Admiral Kogan, you know. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Like we have this, we have the technology. We could have people hollow in whenever they want to, but I'm still excited no matter what. I feel like the dryness that Worf always had was such a great characteristic in what was the lighter tone of Next Generation, especially compared to Deep Space Nine. So I'm really excited to bring that dynamic back of him usually being like the perennial straight man to all the nonsense going mm-hmm. on around him. The, the not a merry man, if you are. If you yes, exactly. I am very excited for that. Let's get into one of these merry men in the form of an a married man, perhaps, in Jordi LaForge. LeVar Burton, he's not wearing the visor. I'm assuming that was part of his contract. Do not <laughs> put that thing around my eyes again, damn it. I already did it for seven years. He is here really excited and especially excited about the lineage that he brings. So this is interesting. In All Good Things, Jordi mentions that he has three kids. Two of those names have made their way into the proper canon, uh, which is very intriguing. We have Alondra and Sydney. Uh, they are both ensigns in their own right. Uh, one of them, I believe it's Alondra, actually works alongside her father, which I'm sure is a really fun dynamic and not awkward at all, as we've experienced from Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> but even more fun than that is uh, the fact that that character is played by Mika Burton, a.k.a. LeVar Burton's real-life daughter. So it really brings even more dimensionality to working alongside your dad. Well, I haven't seen Mika Burton in anything since reading Rainbow, so that will be fun. Yeah, um, I mean, she I've seen her do, like, a couple of these fan events uh, that she was introducing stuff. I think she's appeared on Critical Role as well because she is an actress. This is not Nepo Babies, okay? She's done her own stuff. <laughs> she has her own career. But how could you not take the opportunity for her to work alongside her father in the one of the best roles he's known for? I mean, I, I love this. I love this choice. I think it will be fun to see Family Man LaForge. Um, I like that this carried over. And I think him having his daughters, I mean, albeit they work on they work on the ship, but it sure seems like if he's going to get his kids, why can't Riker and Troy have their kids? Now, this does beg the question, though, back during that finale with these kids with the same names, Jordy was in a relationship with Leia Brahms, which Creepy. was complicated to begin with. Yes, there was the infamous episode, right, where he essentially fell in love with the hologram version of him that, you know, helped teach him about mechanics of the ship. And then when the real life version came, surprise, surprise, he was a creepo depot about it. Apparently wore her down enough to marry her and have kids together. What was she thinking? Do we assume that he's with Leia Brahms here? I think he might be divorced because she's not on the show. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I would not be surprised. Like, how did she stick it out long enough to have three kids with him? Because that is not how you build a healthy relationship. It's not okay. Yeah, I think your meet cute story is far from cute. Yeah, it's it's really super uncute. So I I like I like single dad Jordy. This is pretty good. Um I I also I want to say that in 1987 when they came out with him in that visor, even then, 8-year-old me was like that is super duper dated. That already looks dated. It already <laughs> looks 1987. Why are they doing this? So I'm glad that he held firm and did not did not revisor himself. And I'm also glad, I believe his contact colors are not the same as what he wore in the last TNG film, right? Which was like a little spooky. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, maybe we don't need to see your eyes. I'm glad that whatever technology now is able to at least correct his eye color to be something more natural. Yeah, and I obviously, like, I had not, I'd not ever seen LeVar Burton in anything else to that point. And for years, I didn't know what his eyes looked like, you know? <laughs> like, it was always such a trip to watch Reading Rainbow and have him not have the visor on. Did you, like, hold a strip of cardboard up to the TV every time you saw him just to get used to that sight? You know, I mentally pictured, a, I pictured it there. <laughs> well, let's go to... I would say one of Jordy's dearest friends, but as you mentioned, he is not appearing here, or he is in a manner of speaking. Of course, this would not be a season of Star Trek Picard without a requisite appearance from Brent Spiner. Now, the past two seasons, Brent Spiner in season one did play Data, but has mainly played descendants of uh, of Noonien Soong, right? Uh, both, you know, future and past in the case of the 2024 self. Here... They flat out went for the jugular. So Data is Deda. He's not coming back. Maybe he'll come back in some sort of dream-like form, but they killed him off at the end of season one. That's not happening. But we are bringing one other android back from the dead, seemingly, as the quote-unquote evil twin of Data, Lore, is the character that Brent Spiner is playing this season. Yeah, so Deda is Deda. B4 is in a drawer. And so now we have Lore. I forgot about B4. Yes, he appeared briefly at the beginning of that season there when they just sort of yeah, wrote it off of like, yeah, we sort of took him apart. Yeah, I, I said this a lot because I believe we we kept asking ourselves like, yeah, what did happen to Lore? So the last time we saw Lore was in the season seven premiere, the final season premiere, where there was this entire plot where Lore, who was a continual antagonist of the TNG crew, was actually working alongside and exploiting uh, some Borg to do things for his own whim. Thanks to the efforts of Hugh, one of the Borg that they were able to turn, who appeared and sadly died in Star Trek Picard Season 1, they were able to overthrow the evil android once more. And the last we saw was Data took Lore into another room to disassemble him. And that's all we saw. We didn't see the body. So yeah, it provided a pretty convenient opening, I think, to then say, okay, we could very easily bring this character back. Yeah, and, you know, there's so many other ways you can do it. Like, the way they brought Data back for the show. It's like, maybe Lore's consciousness is just loaded into a thumb drive somewhere, and they just have to plug it into a body. And, oh, com com you know, conveniently, the body that they build to plug it into looks 20 years older than Data. Yeah, exactly. What I would imagine could be the case is they get into a corner, and they're like, oh, it'd be really nice to have an android around who's been able to access all this data. Oh, wait, maybe we can. Remember this body that we put on ice for so many years? I think it's time we talk to this Hannibal Lecter-esque figure. And so they mm -hmm. rebuild lore, I think, to try to utilize him as an asset. Though, I feel like there's a tale of a scorpion and a frog that will forecast how that's going to go. Yeah, I think there, there's a moral of the story here, and it's always never play God with the universe. Um, I, I feel like I... I am much closer to lore now because there's a popular meme that circulates throughout a lot of the Star Trek yes. meme groups and with data and lore. And then it's like a font with bad kerning or letters that are rearranged or words that are rearranged badly to spell out something that is unintended. And every time I see it, it brings me joy. And at this point they don't even explain it. They just put a picture of a sign and then they yep. put a picture of data and lore and it makes me so happy. Makes us feel like we're speaking full Tamarian with just yes. referring to the picture and understanding what it means. It really is. It really is a Tamarian moment. It's like data and lore on, you know, data and lore in the corridor. 
Yeah, exactly. And the Korra lore. So I'm excited for this. We'll see how much this becomes a thing. This could be Bren Spider appearing in like three episodes or all 10. We'll see how much lore becomes an essential part of the crew. So we've mentioned all of the TNG characters that are being brought back. As I mentioned before, there are a couple of people that were able to survive the pink slips that were coming their way and are appearing in Star Trek Picard, the final season. You mentioned Seven of Nine. Jerry Ryan is returning to her iconic role. And here, I think it helps that we are on the Titan because she is apparently the number one of the Titan, which is really fun. When we first saw her in Star Trek Picard, right? She was with the Fenris Rangers, very much the Robin Hood-esque figures uh, to counter almost Starfleet. So it's interesting to see, especially as we'll talk about Raffi, the other returning character, her sort of decided to get back into the fold of Starfleet so much. My question is, and I, I think the, the thing that's got to be on everybody's mind, Mike, is did Seven and Raffi get back together? Oh, yeah. I mean, we know that was something percolating in our heads the entire second season. For what it's worth, the characters are in separate locations, it seems. So I would imagine they're off again. Are they gonna get back together, though? Yes, I think so. Death taxes uh though i don't know in a uh scarcity free world of taxes still exist in in you know the, the 24th century and raffi and seven getting together at the end of a star trek picard season it's a natural thing yeah it, i mean it better um i i mean it, it's weird to me i also need to know the particulars of what brought seven back to starfleet yeah i mean I, i'm not particularly sure either i mean i'm trying to recall though was she not was she not part of Starfleet in season two? I don't I know she wasn't on the Titan because uh it primarily took place on the Stargazer was the vehicle of choice mm -hmm. then. But I'm trying to remember Yeah, maybe this is a conversation we did have where I complained about it last season as well. But it just seems like she was so anti establishment. Yeah, exactly. Again, considering how it started. But we see her here really work her way up to the position. And it's really fun. It'll be fun to have her serve as, again, this go-between of the old guard and the new guard, considering that she does have a relationship with Picard and assumingly with this new captain. And also a possible relationship with Raffi, who, yeah, despite the entire season one drama, right, about her, like, receiving discommendation for supporting Picard and, you know, being so stubborn and angry about him and living on the Vasquez rocks, seems to be, like, on the run from something somewhere. Now, this is also like similarly how we saw her in season two as well. So it just seems like this is a natural course of events for her. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a logical progression for her. Um, she was another person. It seemed like she really had a chip on her shoulder about Starfleet, but she has come around. Yeah, so I'd be excited to see how she ends up getting brought in here. My guess would be that she comes into contact with other TNG characters before Picard that I my guess about this season is that we're actually going to get a bunch of like loose threads of where people are before then Picard kind of sends out the hail and everyone goes to meet him and I would imagine that Raffi is going to come into contact with one of these parties before she ends up seeing Picard again yeah I would I it, it is you know that's the classic get the band back together and that's apparently what we do at the beginning of every of every season of Picard all right, so a couple of other familiar faces that we know are going to return in some way, shape, or form. I was very surprised, Jess, when at the end of one of these trailers, we saw a top hat and <laughs> a familiar menacing face. Daniel Davis will be making some cameo appearance, reprising his role of Professor Moriarty from the holodeck. How do you do this in the year 2023? Like... I know that in the 80s and 90s, we loved our hologram gone amok type mm -hmm. storyline. That was like, yeah, every 10th episode of Star Trek The Next Generation was something goes wrong in the holodeck. Yeah. And but I feel like we have moved so far beyond that where we practically have that technology now. It doesn't seem so futuristic and weird at the very least. And it's such a it's such a bottle episode mechanic that we just don't do on television anymore. Why are we why are we bringing back Moriarty? Like how is that even going to work? Unless it's just unless we just see somebody like playing a simulation for 5 seconds. We can't build a whole narrative around this, can we? 
I don't know. Could this be, like I spoke about with Lore, another Hannibal Lecter-esque thing of, like, in order to outsmart our enemy, which we'll get into, actually, coming up next, we must, you know, talk to the most Machiavellian person we know. And so we turn to Moriarty, uh, you know, a nefarious villain who is one of the smartest to counteract Sherlock Holmes, who would be able to talk us through what our, our enemy might be thinking. Yeah, it, yeah, I think if there's going to be a Hannibal Lecter scenario, that might be more likely. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, unless technology has progressed so far that, like, Jordy has given this the abilities of, like, the doctor from Voyager, of just being able to walk around willy-nilly mm -hmm. out in the open. Because the way that the whole thing ended with Moriarty was there was this entire episode where, like, he tried to and successfully escaped, and they let him go at the end because they're like, yeah, eventually just, like, the program will run out and he'll disappear back into the ones and zeros that he is. So That's we don't need to worry about that. That's how programs work. Yeah. He's not going to hit an infinite recursion loop or anything like that. Exactly. So we'll see. He might have some resentment from the last time that he was, you know, seen on this screen. But it's an interesting pull to make. I'll admit to that. Look, if anybody deserved to be packed onto a thumb drive and stuck in a drawer, it was Moriarty. Very true. Now, someone else who also died, you know, quote unquote, in terms of Moriarty on Star Trek The Next Generation, but it's apparently making an appearance I know that not all of the TNG cast is coming back, but more than you might think, including apparently reports of Denise Crosby playing some sort of Tasha Yar-esque role in the final season. Wow, all is forgiven. Apparently. I thought, yeah, I thought that was never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, as long as she probably put in her writer contract, much like LeVar Burton said, like, don't put anything over my eyes. Denise Crosby's like, as long as there's no black goo monster within like 30 feet of me, I'll come back and do the show. Well, is she going to be, do we think she's going to be Yar or is she going to be like Romulan daughter? Yeah, Sela, I believe her name was, Sela. right? The, the daughter between, the, uh, between a Romulan and the alternate universe Yar from yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, the From what I read, it seemed like she is the Yar proper, it might be like another dream thing or maybe even a flashback. Much like, again, all good things. The past timeline mm -hmm. was Picard's first day on the Enterprise and Yar was there. So maybe we'll get her appearing there. She's not credited yet in the cast. So I'm inclined to assume more of a minimalist role than, okay, she's in it for the long haul. I think it would just be more so a Leo pointing at the screen thing of, oh, it's fun to see her in this rather than she'll be the crux to everything. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're getting a ton of her. I who do you think we're getting more of? Yar or Moriarty? Oh, I think it's honestly a game of inches. Uh, but I would say Moriarty. I think if Tasha Yar can only exist in the past, I do not think this show wants to mire itself down in like an entire episode of flashbacks in its final season. Uh, they're not going to cross the sea yet. So I would imagine that we're going to see more of Moriarty, no matter how he's used. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm trepidatious about this whole thing. But Well, the last thing I will talk about is, of course, the big bad of season three. Season yes, two, we please. Season two, we, we sort of didn't have one. It was more so, hey, Q presented this big mystery to us of what we need to stop. So we have to figure out the puzzle box, box you know, uh, Benoit Blanc style to figure out exactly what the answer to this mystery is. We have an out-and-out -out enemy in Star Trek Picard Season 3. It's a character named Vadik, played by Amanda Plummer, daughter of the late Christopher Plummer, who himself had a Star Trek villainous role to play back in the day. Indeed. Um, I always forget that the two of them are related because I love Amanda Plummer so much in her own right. Like, she has been working in Hollywood for 40 years and has been in some amazing roles. Uh, got her start, actually, one of her very earliest roles was in the film adaptation of The World According to Garb. Oh. Itself a problematic piece of literature, but mm -hmm. one that I loved very much. And the film adaptation is really, you have to have read the book to appreciate the movie, but there's so many big names in that movie. And having her in there, and then she... Ends up apparently impressing John Irving so much she winds up in the film adaptation of Hotel New Hampshire as well. Um, and then she has been in such movies as uh, Joe vs. Volcano, uh, mm -hmm. The Fisher King. Yep. Um, she's in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I was going to say. probably it's, what people mostly know her from. Talk about speculation about, you know, timelines and whether or not different things impact future events. Yes. 
Yes, indeed. Um, she, you know, she's in a lot of things. I think the Hunger Games Catching Fire is mm-hmm. one where I saw her more recently. Um, I believe repping District 6. Um, yeah, she was a virus, I believe. Oh, no. Yeah, that's District 3. Sorry. Um, District 6 was the heroin addict. Right? Mm, of course, as they always are. They always are. Yeah. They didn't listen to Wesley and Tasha Yar's PSA about drugs from TNG season one. <laughs> Wow, that's something I haven't thought of since it aired. I hope they bring that back. I mean, it also is just interesting thinking about those that are in absentia that Will Wheaton, they sort of blew their load already with his cameo, right? He showed up at the end of season two with Issa Brione's character and is like, come with me, let's dip about space and time together. Yeah, that's it's sad in a way, but at least we got him. Like We couldn't do this without getting him somewhere and that makes sense for the character. But it... Yeah, it, it feels like he should be at the big reunion. Yeah, so we don't know a lot about Vatic. I mean, she certainly looks menacing. Everything we see from her has the typical Star Trek villain background of, like, mist and blue light, uh, <laughs> you know, shining over this Romulan-esque bowl cut yeah, she has. monochromatic. and yeah, yeah, masked goons standing around her. So it should be a lot of fun. I think the one line we get from her is, like, that she wants revenge on Picard. So I'm not sure if this is another, like, Tom Hardy clone situation that we saw in Insurrection. But I'm intrigued to see, because like you said, Amanda Plummer is a really cool actress, and it's nice to have them fighting someone again, and for it not to be the Borg, to a point you made before. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to see them go a different way, although how many different ways can you go at this point? I feel like we have this, how is this not going to be something we've already seen? And, yeah. you know, we talk about this with regard to, to disco a lot, where it's like we've, you know, our big bad is going to be someone who's going to unravel the whole fabric of the universe. And where do you go after that? Like, what do you do? And we have we have almost unraveled the whole fabric of the universe so many times. I almost want to see a smaller, more compact, deeper character driven story here, which I think with Amanda Perlmer, we're going to get. Yeah, because if you remember, season one ended right with like the entire a wormhole opening up and like, you know, these giant creatures of AI coming through to take over everything. And they had to stop that on their own. So yeah, I'd be intrigued to see how much havoc Vatic is going to wreak. I would, to your point, imagine more of a small turd things than in comparison, but still something incredibly personal, especially if she does have an ax to grind with Picard. Really not a lot in terms of plot. The official summary is, quote, in the epic, thrilling conclusion of Star Trek Picard, a desperate message from a long-lost friend draws Starfleet legend Admiral Jean-Luc Picard into the most daring mission of his life, forcing him to recruit allies spanning generations old and new. This final adventure sets him on a collision course with the legacy of his past and explosive new revelations that will alter the fates of the Federation forever. The fluffiest text to ever fluff. The most daring mission of his entire life? His entire life? His entire like ninety years on the you know in the galaxy, this is this is it. How are they going to do that? They, he was a he was a Borg. Yeah, he went back in time on the most important day of like Earth Earth Galactic history in Zephram Cochran. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and like had to prevent the Borg from attacking there. That's a high bar to clear, but I understand they have to go for some hyperbole if they want to build this up as you know his greatest adventure yet. Yeah, I think they they shot they, they they shot a little they overshot it a little bit. How are we gonna? This doesn't make any sense. I, well, I I I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope I I hope I come back from this at the end of the season and be like, wow, that was the most spectacular Star Trek I've ever seen. Picard was so daring. It was truly the most daring mission. We'll see. We'll check back in. You know, ten weeks into our own future timeline to see how we're feeling, regardless of what the plot might be. I'm excited. You know, it's been a while since we've seen Picard and admittedly a bit of a while since I felt especially good about the series Star Trek Picard. So while I am a little disappointed that they kind of just threw a bunch of characters out of the airlock when they felt like they were done with them in favor of these old familiar faces, I'm excited to see what they do with them. Like, I can't help but admit I was smiling from ear to ear when I was seeing the old gang back together. So even if it does feel like a bit of a rehash or, you know, regurgitating several plot points and dynamics and everything. It'll be TNG Season 8. And that's something that I have wanted and a lot of Trekkies have wanted for a long time. So no matter what 
you know, the, the bar may be. I'm excited to be able to tackle it over the next 10 weeks. Yeah, and I can't I can't wait to get into it. I'm excited that it's back. I think it is for all the quibbles we had with it, I think it is among the best produced Star Treks that we have had in all of Star Trek. So yeah, and we're gonna have fun talking about it even if it sucks. All right. So to that point, Jess and I will be back each week, every week on Thursdays, recapping the episodes proper as they come out over the next 10 weeks. And fittingly for a man who, you know, has his own vineyard and is into the green, Jess, Star Trek Picard ends on 420. Well, that's that's ominous. I mean, maybe they'll really go out with a huge trippy sequence then. Yeah, is it going to be one of those things that doesn't make any sense unless you're high? Or the Titan literally goes up in smoke. Maybe. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, but I'm really excited to see what happens as soon as next week. Again, we don't know a lot about the actual plot of it, so I'll be intrigued to see, like, especially in these first few episodes, how much of it is set up versus actually getting into, like, the main mission at hand. Should be a good time. Excited to be doing this with you weekly again. Jess, make sure you don't miss a minute of it. Subscribe to our feed, postshowrecaps.com slash Star Trek. And especially at the beginning of a new season or series, we are very grateful to those of you who rate and review us so that anyone who's out there in space can receive our communication and uh, take a view at all the great stuff we're doing here, as well as on post-show recaps. Jess, I know that you have been all about on various frequencies over this past week. What do you have going on for people wanna, who want to hear more about you? Um, well, you can you can check out Pod Friends, which is over on the Reality TV Rehap Ups channel, or it has its own feed. I did an episode of that right after Mike Bloom's episode. It was a very tough act to follow. Pod Friends, uh, that's the the Borg podcast, right? Where it's they all, all pop out of their pods and they introduce themselves, but it's always the same introduction because they're all assimilated. Exactly, exactly. It's, a, it's exactly the same show every time. Um, and then, of course, you and I get together with Rob Sesternino every week to talk about Tough as Nails, um, hosted and produced by our friend Phil Kogan. And we are enjoying that week to week. Um, and again, it's one of those things where it's just fun to talk to you, even if it's, you know, sometimes the show is not as entertaining as the conversation that follows. Yeah, I have so much fun getting to talk with you. So I'm, again, really excited to have another opportunity to do so. Uh, of course, you can check out all the other stuff I'm doing on Pusher Recaps, whether it be Down the Hatch or The Last of Us, which is now beginning to round into the back half of the first season. I'm doing a recap with Grace this weekend, as well as a feedback show with Owen Knight, uh, which should be a lot of fun. And then I've got you covered with the Survivor 44 preseason. I am your one-stop shop. Call me Quark, because I'm just putting out all the goods, podcasts, articles, hopefully of a much less sleazy quality than that Ferengi. But be sure to check it out if you're into getting to know this very, very fun crew of people as they fly the Starship Survivor, I guess, uh, call sign or serial number 44 into a new final frontier. And we shall be flying ourselves off of this podcast. Next time you're going to hear us, we'll be talking the premiere, the final season premiere of Star Trek Picard season three. Can't wait to finally put some answers to these questions and see our first glance of what this series is all about. Thank you all so much for listening. Can't wait to check out the premiere next week. Until then, live long and prosper. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.